0: Take your Bible and find the Gospel of Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter 7. Tonight we're at roughly the halfway point uh, in our study through the fruit of the Spirit. through the Spirit's listed for us in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, where we read, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience." Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And with the help of Riley and Carrie, we've already thought about the first few aspects of the fruit of the Spirit listed there. Riley taught on joy, Carrie taught on peace, and I really appreciate the insights that they've given so far. Look forward to hearing them again. And I've, I've taught on love and patience, which brings us tonight to the fifth aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to think about, which is kindness, kindness. In all of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, we've tried to give careful attention to what those particular aspects looked like in the life and in the teachings of Jesus. Because as we've noted many times, um since the Holy Spirit's role uh, in our lives, in the life of a believer, since his role in us is to glorify Christ in us. And that's what, that's what Jesus said in John 16, when the helper comes, he will glorify me uh, because he will take what is mine and give it to you. So when the Holy Spirit is in us at work, He is in uh, He is at work in our lives to glorify Jesus in us, and which means that uh, all, when He produces the fruit of the Spirit in us, all the aspects of the fruit uh, that the Spirit will put in us, if it's from the Spirit, will look like Jesus. Um, the Spirit work in us is not just to bring us to repentance of our sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and His work in us is not just to keep us persevering to the end in that repentance and faith, but all the while, from the beginning to the end, is to work in us, work in our hearts and in our minds and in our, um, our speech to, to, uh, and, and through the means of grace that we use um, to produce the character of Christ in us. So that as time goes by, we think and we speak and we act um, more like Christ than than we used to. I mentioned there just on the means of grace, using making use of the means of grace. Um, just a little time out for a little commercial. Next semester, uh, when we come back from Christmas and uh, spring in the in the spring semester after spring break, we're gonna. On CBS, we're going to do a little series on the means of grace or as as um, they're often put, the spiritual disciplines, okay? I prefer to focus on them as means of grace more than spiritual disciplines. I mean, that, t- that takes a bit of discipline to do, to, to do but, but we don't need to forget that we're not doing them just to earn anything. We're not. They are channels of God's grace in, into our lives. That's going to be our, our focus after spring break, but before spring break, we're going to think about the different... Um, covenants in Scripture and how they, um, how they foreshadow and promise the coming of Christ and, and tell one story through the Bible. Anyway, commercial over. We come back to regular programming for tonight as we think about kindness as a fruit of the Spirit. Um, the Scripture we read at the beginning of the, of the time tonight was from Psalm 145. And did you notice There's a reason I picked that to be our opening scripture. Did you notice that in in those uh, scant few verses, twice we are told the Lord is kind in all his works. That is worth riveting in your mind for the rest of your life when good things happen in your life. Isn't the Lord kind in all his works? When hard things happen in your life, when desert times, lonely times, confusing times, the Lord is kind in all his works. That It's hard, it's hard, if it's painful. Don't mistake that to think that the Lord is not being kind in that moment. Kindness is not always obvious in the moment. Kindness is not always, it's not always perceived as kindness in the moment. But let, it, let some time pass. You will look back and you will realize, wasn't the Lord kind in all his works? Just live long enough. You'll, you'll testify to that. Um, well, the Lord is kind in all his works. And so that is the scriptural warrant then to see kindness in every action and in every word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, as I thought about where we might turn in the Gospels to begin thinking about kindness, it's not such a complicated issue. Kindness is not super deep. But um, I tried to think if there was a passage, a passage that um, would give us a clear picture of what godly kindness Christ-like kindness, uh, what it is and precisely what it looks like in practice. I, you know, I don't know if there's one neat and tidy place, but I, I first thought of the great commandment. And Jesus, they said, "What Jesus wants the greatest commandment, you will love the Lord your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, so I thought perhaps that's the most basic definition of kindness, Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and then as I kept thinking about the life and the te- uh, more teachings of Jesus, I remembered that there was another saying of Jesus that agrees with that. Of course it agrees with that, but it agrees with that, with love your neighbor as yourself. But it is stated in a, in a more imaginative and um, expansive way. And it's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount here in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in chapter 7, verse 12. It's not new to you. If you found that place in your Bible, look with me at what he says there. It'll probably be very familiar to you, even to people who may not be familiar with the Bible. They probably heard this. He says in verse 12, So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. There's a parallel passage to this one in Luke chapter 6. I would go ahead and say, maybe you go ahead and hold your place here and find Luke chapter 6 and just mark your place in, in Luke chapter 6, because we'll, we'll come back to Luke 6 in just a little bit. The, the, that's, we call that the golden rule, and, and that's repeated again in Luke chapter 6, but we'll We'll come to Luke six in just a little while, but just mark your place there. But if the Lord is, if the Lord Jesus is is righteous and faithful in all His ways and in His work, He's it, it once said is who's faithful in all His words, He's righteous in all His uh, works, He's kind in he ways, and He's kind in all His works. If He's kind in all His works, that seem what we just read seems to be an instruction, a, a specific instruction on how to do it. Um, love your neighbor as yourself by love your neighbor as yourself by doing to them, doing for them whatever you wish they would do to you. So, what I want to do for a few minutes tonight is, is just to make a few observations from that passage and and a few others about kindness from that sort of definition of it. Um, that I think we need to hear. So before we get into what those are, we've read the passage. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the reading and the study of His Word, and then we'll dive in. Oh, Lord, what we just read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, and what we're going to read in Luke chapter 6, what we're going to read, goodness, and a lot of other, in Ephesians 2 and Colossians 1 and 2 Thessalonians 3. Philippians 2. So many passages we're going to think about tonight. Every word that we're going to read is your holy and inspired, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. And we pray and we ask you, O Lord, would you give us eyes to see the truth, even in this, the simple truths? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us uh, minds to understand? maybe to, to think about in a fresh, clear way, even if it's things we've thought about before, and most likely it will be. Would you, Lord, would you help those those things land on us a little differently tonight? And would you give us hearts to embrace these things? Would you give us wills to obey what it admonishes us to do? Would you give us ears to hear, all of us, give me the help that I need to teach, and I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's several Observations that I want to make about kindness. Kindness, if practiced in the way that that is laid out that we just read, several things about it that we need to just highlight uh, and let it admonish us a little bit. There are several, so I'm going to try to make get through them quickly. And the first observation is this: kindness is intentional. Kindness is intentional. Think again about think again about. that verse that has come down to us as the golden rule. And just, just think again about how um, active and how intentional it sounds. Whatever you wish, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Um, we often shortchange the golden rule, the way it's often used, parents are most guilty of it. We often just use and, and make use of the negative side of it. We would say, you know, like, well, don't do that to them if you don't want them to do it to you. You know, that kind of thing. As true as that is, it's really only half true. It's the lazy true. Um, because Jesus doesn't state it negatively like that. Don't do that if you don't want... He states it positively, and it takes effort, a lot of effort to do it the way that Jesus said to do it. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also, before we even get that part, whatever you wish that others would do to you, that requires that you sit down and think about it. (laughs) Like... It can be small, it can be big. I wish that people would speak the truth to me when they speak to me. So I'm going to speak the truth to people. Um in a time of need, financial need, any kind of need. I wish I might wish that somebody would help me in some way. Be it financial help, be it words of comfort, be it Whatever it may be, so before someone even asks me today, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be maybe an anonymous or I'm going to be an unexpected blessing to somebody else. Because I wish somebody would do that to me. Jesus says, "Whatever you wish, use your imagination." In other words. You could come up with some crazy thing. I wish somebody would do that. Well, then be crazy and do that to somebody else. Sit and scheme about it. Sit and think about what would be a blessing to you and scheme about how to be that for somebody else. I'm not, I mean, that's just exactly what Jesus had to do. He used the word wish. What a way to spend your time! Like, that's way better than thumbing through Instagram or anything. Way better. But it's very intentional, Christ-like kindness in the way that He says it. There is very intentional. You read just this—just a snippet from the life of Jesus. But I read this earlier this week in Mark chapter one, for example. Mark chapter one. Jesus is talking about Jesus. He, he taught He taught in the synagogues. Oh, he teaches like one with authority. The whole point is the authority of Jesus, the authority of Jesus as he teaches, the authority of Jesus in healing the sick and casting out the demons. But be that as it may, authority being the main issue, but the fact is he was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. He was doing acts of kindness to them. And it, and it says that the whole city came, and he was—he was being kind and very intentionally so. The next day, uh, they were looking for Jesus, couldn't find Jesus. He was in a desolate place praying. Jesus, Jesus, we're looking. Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says um, that uh, instead of going back in that city, we need to move on to the next city because I need to do the same thing there. Jesus was intentionally saying, "I've got to go there. I've got to do." It was very intentional. Jesus was very intentional in his acts of kindness. Certainly, acts of kindness—I would say—there's another level. Certainly, acts of kindness or just kindness in general ought to be a pretty constant atmosphere about us. It should be kind. Don't be a jerk. Like kindness ought to be just the, like the atmosphere living around you, and kindness ought to be like the reaction that people get from us when they could easily expect a very different one. You know what I'm saying? Something happens, they they might expect one kind, but instead they get kindness as their response. We see this in the parallel passage in Luke chapter 6. So flip right over there, Luke chapter 6. And you can see there in verse 31... In Luke 6.31, you can see where he repeats this golden rule. And as you wish, still uses that word, be creative, creative kindness. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. But notice some of the examples that Jesus gives right around this that demonstrates what this could look like in practice. Verse 27. Um, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Doggone. Verse 29. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak... In other words, steals it, do not withhold your tunic either. And it just keeps going. It just keeps it just keeps going. Just think, think about that. How would someone, how would someone who consider who they considered themselves your enemy, how would they expect you to act toward them? Not love. How would someone who curses and abuses you... I'm just using Jesus' words. Extreme, I know, but it makes the point. How would someone who curses you, abuses you, expect you to act toward them? Not with prayer and blessing. How would someone who strikes you and steals from you expect you to act toward them? Not turning the other cheek. Oh, and you forgot to take this. Um yeah none of that will the point is this that i'm making the first point is that that kindness is intentional none of that will come out of you toward others by accident or without your realization like it all of that takes intentionality on your part it takes intentionality to decide to act in those ways it 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 may I'm not saying that it, every act of kindness, every moment of kindness, has to be literally planned and thought out. But it always takes intentional intentionality. whether it's a, a, a conscious decision in that moment, or even it feels even if in a moment that that act of kindness feels like a reflex that just happened, that's that's not unintentional because what the reason that it happened reflexively like that, is because you intentionally prepared your heart long before that for it to just come out reflexively. How do you prepare your heart? By filling your heart and your mind with God's Word. Read your Bible. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Read the heck out of it. Read it, just... A lot. Seriously, I I I, I can't say that enough. I cannot. I wish I could crawl up inside your mind, inside your heart, and and make a tweak here and there, and you go, oh, for real? Yes. Memorize it. Um, The more you read your Bible, the more you want to read your Bible. The less you read your Bible, the less you want to read your Bible. Yeah. Remind yourself of the gospel. Of what, 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 I, what do I mean by remind yourself of the gospel? Remind yourself of the intentionality of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to live his sinless life and die his sacrificial death in your place when you were his undeserving enemy. Kindness is intentional. It won't happen without constantly fixing our eyes on God. Jesus in the scriptures and being undistracted enough, being, uh, being undistracted enough. So we live very distracted lives. Can I just say, I think about this often. I, my, my children don't have phones. Much to the chagrin of the older ones, the younger ones just don't care. But but can I tell you, like, what kind of stuff you hear from a child who doesn't have a phone? We are riding in Opelika the other day, and Hannah goes, Hey, Dad. Yep. You know what? What? I've seen a lot more birds recently. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> I hadn't. <laughs> but you just totally undistracted what do you do when you're not distracted by anything there's a lot of birds out here i mean like like, they just we are so distracted but but be root out the distractions in your life and 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 be undistracted enough to be aware of other people and certainly their needs their needs and the opportunities around you that are around you all the time to do to them what you wish others would do to you. And that leads to a similar observation about kindness. It's not just intentional. Kindness, Christ-like kindness, is selfless. It's selfless. If you're still in Luke chapter 6, look at how Jesus similarly continues after verse 31. Verse 31 is the golden rule. As you wish others would do to you, do so to them. So, like, look with me beginning in verse 32. We'll read to the first part of verse 35. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. And get back the same amount, but love your enemies, do and do good, and lend, and expect nothing in return. We'll stop there. Jesus calls us to show kindness without any thought to ourselves. Um, we we're he in 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 the golden rule kindness of Jesus. We love even when we don't expect to be loved back. We do good to others. Even when there is no expectation of be, of the good being returned to us, we lend even when we don't expect repayment. That's who does that? Why would anyone do that? Well, for the Christian, we have all the reason in the world, and I'm not, I can't say I'm always I'm I, I, I'm always like this, but I. It is, it is um, it's beautiful to me, and I see the reason. Christians have all the reason in the world. Um, Jesus says, it's not just how much we've already been given in Christ, but Jesus says there in verse 35 that if we're kind in this way here and now, your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He tells us he's not. When I say selfless, I mean, what's the commonality? What's the commonality in all those examples that Jesus gave in verses 32 to 35? They're all very this worldly. Um, He's not saying, when he says, don't expect. Love to, even when if you're not loved back even if the the good is not returned to you, even if um they don't pay you back, that is all very much looking for your your reward here and now from what you can get from other people and jesus doesn't say don't 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 seek reward just don't seek reward like that that's a paltry reward he says. You know, that, it's a paltry reward just from loving people who love you. Because if that's the only people we love, we're just loving ourselves. It's ugly. We don't, don't do good to only those who do good to you. Lend only those who... Why does Jesus rep- commend that kind of selfless kindness? Because according to his words, if you look more carefully at that last verse, not just because we're going to get reward in heaven, but he, said, he also says, essentially... This kind we are we are never more like him than when we are selflessly kind to others, because it says, He, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So Jesus did tell us in Luke 9:23 that if anyone can come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow. To deny yourself is to deny yourself, period. How do you deny yourself? You trust the providence of God over our lives? We are Uh, rejoice in the gospel of free salvation. That's how you consider others more significant than yourselves. Forget about yourself altogether. Humility is not thinking meanly of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. That's at the root of selfless kindness. We, of all people, can forget about ourselves in kindness. We can afford, we can afford happily afford to forget about ourselves altogether in kindness because we know that God never forgets about us. And he promises to reward those who follow Christ in selfless kindness. Another similar observation to this one about Christ-like kindness is that it is sacrificial. It's not just intentional. It's not just selfless. It's sacrificial. The supreme example of this, of course, in the life of Christ is his sacrifice on the cross which his death on the cross, scripture repeatedly calls the greatest act of God's kindness toward us. If we're talking about kindness, why don't we look at the kindness of God in Christ? That is his greatest kindness. That's the, the greatest act of kindness toward us. And what was it? A sacrifice. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. You could jot, I'm have to give you a, a series of I, well, I actually wanna, I want you to turn to some of these. Uh, I, but Ephesians 2.7, Paul talks about the coming ages in eternity when believers will understand, quote, Go ahead and turn it. Go ahead and turn it. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Ephesians chapter 2. So Ephesians 2.7, Paul is talking about the coming ages in eternity when believers, when God will show and believers will finally understand more fully, to use Paul's words, quote, the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is that talking about? How was His kindness shown to us in His sacrificial life and death for us? And I want to explore that just a little bit. We're talking about in the coming ages. In the coming ages, we will understand that more and more. The Understand what? The immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness. Why in eternity... Will we understand the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness more than we do now? I believe because then we will see the glory of God in all his brilliance. And that will do two things at least. One, then and only then will we understand just how filthily and scandalously sinful we were. And two, then and only then will we fully understand how low Jesus stooped for our salvation. And the kindness shown in his suffering for wretchedly undeserving sinners will indeed be seen clearly as nothing but immeasurably rich grace in kindness. Our kindness in the world is somehow and to some extent finitely to mirror that version of kindness, which means it will it must include in us a willing a willingness to suffer, a willingness to sacrifice in order to show kindness to somebody else, whether that means you you sacrifice. Uh, comforts and familiar faces here and familiar places here because you've sensed the call of God to leave here and go somewhere else in the world to show kindness by taking the gospel to people who've never heard. Maybe it's to suffer um, the loss of your reputation, even if it's unjustly, because you do a kindness to defend somebody that you know is innocent or being wrongly accused of something. could be any number of ways. Let me show you... I, I had you turn to Ephesians just so you're in the right neighborhood to quickly turn to these other places. Let me show you an example in Scripture of where we are, we are called to be that kind of kind sacrifice for others. Find Colossians chapter 1. So just turn to the right. Go over two neighborhoods, past Philippians to Colossians chapter 1. And when you get to Colossians chapter 1, find verse 24 with me. And Paul says, "This we're going to need to think just a little bit, guys, on this one, but I, I'm going somewhere with this. Verse 24. Now I rejoice, Paul says, in my sufferings for your sake. Colossians. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Now, I want to zoom in on and explore what in the world does he mean by what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Because that sounds, I don't know, Not right? What does he mean? What does he mean when he says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? What does that mean? Only two other times in the New Testament does Paul use that Greek word that's translated, what is lacking. What is lacking. That that is an English translation of it of one Greek word. Only two other times in the New Testament, besides this place, does he use that word. And I want us to see where he uses those words. So uh, turn right, maybe just a couple of pages in, in my Bible, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I want us to read verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, O church in Thessalonica, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we most earnestly, night and day, uh, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may... See you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. There's that word, what is lacking. But in that verse, what is lacking? What is it, in fact, that is lacking there? And in the context in that, it is that we may see you face to face, right? What is, what is lacking The Thessalonian church misses Paul. He's in prison. We we long to see Paul face to face. We miss you, Paul. We we miss Paul not being present with us physically to encourage us and us to encourage him. That is what is lacking, physical presence. Okay? Second example, turn left, back, cross, cross. Colossians, back to Philippians, in chapter two. Philippians, Philippians, chapter two. Now, the the phrase is going to be there in verse thirty at the very end of the uh, the chapter. But I want to I want to I'm going to read beginning in verse twenty five just to get so you understand what's going on. So Paul says in Philippians 2, starting in verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you, O church in Philippi, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and and messenger to my need. For he, Epaphroditus, has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill, he was sick, Indeed, he was sick, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, to send Epaphroditus to you, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his own life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Well, there it is again. What was lacking? But in that passage, what was lacking? The Philippian church not seeing Epaphroditus face to face. Like, because he had been sick. They had been concerned. He couldn't come. He nearly died. Now he's well again. I'm going to send him to you, and you're going to see him. You're going to love him coming. He's going to be face-to-face, and it's going to supply what's lacking, which is a physical encounter with the one you miss. Now, take that idea, turn right, back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. We're back to home base. And Colossians 1, 24 Paul says, in my flesh, in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Which means, based on what he means every other time he says that, Paul is saying, his, Paul's suffering in the world is a physical representation to the watching world of the suffering of Christ. They will be, people will be reminded of the suffering of Christ for sinners. They will be reminded of the suffering of Christ through seeing Paul's, coming face to face with Paul's physical suffering for the sake of Christ. That's a little way around the block, but simply to show that Christ's suffering was the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness to us. And our greatest, then, act of Christ-like kindness toward another is when we are willing physically, personally, to suffer, to sacrifice out of love for another. Selflessly, not expecting anything in return. It's when we're willing to suffer mistreatment out of love for one another. That's, that's the greatest act of kindness. But let me close with one more biblical truth about kindness before we close. This is not rocket science. It's just good. I'm going to be really short about this one. Christ-like kindness is satisfying. It's just satisfying. It's clean. It's good. God put it in your heart to love it. Like Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Christian life is a paradox. When we try to exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. When we humble ourselves, we will be exalted. The way up is down the way down is up. The first will be last. The last will be first. The most satisfying life is a life being poured out for other people. Can I just say that I, I see there, there, that, that, that what I just said is, can be multiplied in a thousand different ways, big ways, tiny ways. One way, I'm gonna step out of kindness for just a second because that that no, I'm not stepping out of kindness. I'm thinking about it. People who people who bounce from church to church to church to church. Okay, they. Join this church. They go to this church for a little while, or I just say this church, this generic church. I'm not saying Lakeview. I'm just saying people go to church A for a little while, and then there's a. I don't know. I'm just not getting this. I'm not getting that. I don't like this. I don't like that. So I'm going to leave this church. I'm going to go to that church. What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't Like this I don't like that now they might graduate before they realize that, but guess what you're going grad you're going to graduate you're going to move and start real life, and you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. I don't know I don't like that I'm not getting this I'm not getting that that's because you're living you're you're trying you're, you haven't gotten the paradox like if, I heard someone say recently. I literally heard someone say recently about, about a church. They left a church to go to another church, and they said, this is not a college student. It was a grown-up. I just, y'all are grown-ups. <laughs> it still wasn't a college student. But they said, I just didn't feel uplifted. And I wanted to say, do you even know how to be uplifted? Because in the Christian life, the way to be uplifted is to spend your life trying to uplift other people. Because if I'm just looking to be uplifted, uplift me, uplift me, uplift me. I am all about myself, and that is a miserable life. (laughs) Frustrating life. The most satisfying life is a life spent being poured out for other people. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. You want to be uplifted? Uplift other people. Spend your life for them. I don't think there has ever been a soul on earth who after spending their life trying to live that way, being poured out for other people in kindness. Lay on their deathbed going, I regret that. I wish I hadn't done so much of that. Nah. Don't forget that the fruit of the Spirit is one singular fruit that has an array of different aspects, which just means We've already talked about, for example, joy and peace. The way to joy and peace is through kindness. You know? Let's let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this admonition in Scripture. I pray that you would make us a people in Christ who glorifies Jesus by spending our lives for other people in kindness. Being aware of more than just ourselves and our desires. Being aware of other people and their needs. and Even if I feel in my heart a sadness or a loneliness or a neediness, you admonish us in that precise moment. What what do I wish someone would do for my loneliness? What do I wish someone would do for my need? What do I wish? And then to get up and do that for somebody else. And in so doing, you meet our need. Lord, help us to be that kind of people for Jesus' sake in this world. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.